Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Wrestling Inc.'s own Raj Geary and our regular SmackDown Live correspondent, David Bixenspan. Uh, David, how's it going this morning? I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing good. How about you, Glenn? Doing great. Uh, coming off the heels of a very interesting SmackDown Live last night, and of course, Talking Smack, the post-show on the WWE Network. Today, we're going to talk about everything that happened in this SmackDown of the uh, the new era post-SummerSlam, sort of where the chips fell and how they're picking them back up and rebuilding towards, what is it now, Backlash? That's the upcoming pay-per-view in two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, so this could be the first SmackDown-only pay-per-view. Last night we saw the debut of the brand-new SmackDown Live set. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show, as well as going match-by-match match through the results. But first, let's talk about the big news, the big altercation that happened on Talking Smack between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Raj, Wrestling Inc. has the story, but do you want to run people through a quick recap of what happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, in, in my opinion, the, the best thing that Miz has probably done since he's been with WWE. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan kind of called him out a bit, saying that he wrestles like a coward, and uh, and Miz just railed into him. I mean, he was like, well, you know, I, I've never been injured. You know, basically, you know, uh, uh, condoning, uh, you know, st- defending why, he, you know, his, his work. And uh, saying, you know, speaking of the coward, you promised fans you'd be back. You didn't come back. Uh, you know, who's the coward? Y- you can quit if you wanted to, if you really wanted to wrestle and, and go wrestle somewhere else. So, I mean, it was great stuff. I mean, I, I like I, I mentioned in the article, I think it was the best thing I've seen, you know, in, in WWE in a while because it, it felt organic. It makes you wonder. Uh, it, it wasn't one of those... Uh, contrived, you know, promos or feuds. It, it, you know, someone insulting someone that you could tell he probably really does feel like that. And and then a, a passionate response that, you know, didn't seem scripted or or anything like that. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome. David, your thoughts? I honestly... Well, I should probably stipulate that when I first saw it, because I didn't watch the show live, I saw the I saw the clip in isolation before WWE put it on YouTube when everyone was sending around that streamable link. So I didn't know that they went off the air with that. I didn't know that it was perfectly timed at the end of the show. And I also, you know, so it didn't it didn't necessarily ring as much of an angle to me because at first glance, to me watching it, I felt like it, maybe there was supposed to be an angle here. But and Miz is staying in character, but going too far with it because I guess I wouldn't expect them to play an angle out of this right now when Daniel Bryan is not exactly keeping it a secret that he's, for you know, lack of a better term, kind of had issues with depression over all this lately. So I was a little surprised to see them go there with that. But you know, now that it's clear that it's an angle, I mean, this was a tremendously executed angle. Uh, probably the best promo that Miz has ever done. Um, I'm not sure where you go with it, though, unless somehow Daniel Bryan's wrestling again, but it doesn't look like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the one idea that I saw someone bring up that seemed like it could make sense was maybe, like, this leads to Daniel Bryan sicking someone like a Samoa Joe on Miz, but I don't know. I mean, where do you guys think it's going? Uh, I mean, it's really unclear. Uh, I mean, I guess we could speculate where what we would do with it. Um, my my only issue with WWE a lot of times lately is that 
they just drop the ball. Like they'll do something interesting, and then it just fades away within a week or two. So, I mean, was this a one-off thing just to get people talking about the show and that it's not really mentioned again, or um, or was there a plan? Like, does this lead to something? I mean, it's like what you said. Like, if Daniel Bryan, like, let's just say you don't have Daniel Bryan on SmackDown at all next week, then it gets people talking. Like, you know, is is he upset? You know, was you know was that a shoot? It it just keeps it going, and then you know you could have him say that he's gonna be at Backlash on the pre-show, addressing it, and then you know he he goes on talks about the Miz, says you know I don't respect your style, and I sign someone whose style I do respect, and he brings someone like you said, like a Samoa Joe, or or someone like, and this is again just off the top of my head, but. I mean, there are different ways you could go with it. I just hope it wasn't a one-off to just get people talking. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing. Talking Smack, you know, I, I know every week I, f- I feel like a broken record talking about just how interesting I think that show is because it does feel a lot looser. It feels, as a reference last week, like Andy Cohn's show on Bravo where it's just people stopping by and hanging out, um, you know, and, and shooting the breeze. And it, what was interesting last night in the context of the show is that earlier uh, Carmella had come out of nowhere and attacked Nikki Bella, and that led to just a very awkward moment production-wise where Renee and Daniel were kind of like, okay, do, you know, like showing concern for the angle, but at the same time, do we go on? And then The Miz came out almost immediately after, and and this all started. Um, Do you guys think that in a post-pipe bomb era, that now that's almost the formula for how they do these these promos, where they want that shoot quality, where their angle, similar to what happened with uh, Paige and Charlotte, they want to incorporate just enough um, harsh truth to have the fans guessing, wait, was this a shoot? Did he go too far? Was this scripted? Was this intended, or was it real? Well, you know, to David's point, what he said earlier about Daniel Bryan, I mean, you know, being quasi-depressed about his wrestling career ending. And um, and then, yeah, I mean, just as recently as this past week while doing SummerSlam Media, he he talked about, like, how hard it is for him to, to be there, how he wants to come back. So, you know, you never know. Maybe Daniel Bryan legit did walk off like that, you know, like it, the promo was supposed to go on, you know, go on, but... Daniel Bryan legit was annoyed that maybe Miz went a little too far. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, it, what I've learned is most of the stuff that you see on camera with WWE, unless it's an injury, is you know, is what the script was, what the plan was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What was really interesting about it, I'm sorry, sorry, David, but I was just saying what was really interesting to me about it was it started with The Miz uh, confronting Daniel, and what I really, really liked about this, and I think this is what a lot of people are latching on to, is it had that late 80s, early 90s, um, that old, you know, uh, WCW pre-Ted Turner feel, you know, uh, a lot of what Piper used to do of get the camera on me, looking right into the camera, the awkward, you know, it didn't feel like a modern promo at the end there. It felt very, very old school, early days of television wrestling and I think that resonated with a lot of people well it felt yeah. like an off-the-cuff pro wrestling promo and that which is awesome and you know like every heel turn nowadays you know when when you're waiting for a good justification or an explanation it's just like well I want to get noticed or yeah. you know I just want to I want to further my career there's never like a real story to it or you know some, something that really pissed them off regarding the person they turn on like Carmella and Nikki Bella I bet you there's not going to be anything like Nikki Bella had done something or there were well, some because, issues uh, that they had. because how Nikki treated Carmella at the end of the, the match at SummerSlam, which I'd forgotten completely, by the way. I had to read online that that was the angle. Carmella felt humiliated. 
Okay. Okay, so at least they they did something with that. But, you know, so many times there's nothing. This was so, or, you know, organic that yeah. that's what I miss with pro wrestling. And if if you said 3 days ago that um Daniel Bryan was going to come back to wrestling, right? And, and I'm not saying he is, but let's just say that you said it and he's coming back to wrestle the Miz. Everyone would have groaned, everyone would have complained. Uh now today if if they were if you were to find out that Daniel Bryan's coming back and he's going to wrestle The Miz, now people are excited. That's a money match just from one promo, and that's what a good promo can do, and that, I think, is missing. Because you don't see promos making a match or selling a pay-per-view anymore. In fact, I think a lot of times it takes away from it. One thing I think that stands out is that... I mean, at this point, it's clearly an angle, but I do think they pretty clearly had a lot of freedom with the verbiage. Because there are a lot of things in there that are not indicative of things that I think even under Triple H as opposed to Vince, they would necessarily let them say. I mean, when have you ever heard, even in a shoot angle context on a WWE program, someone talk about what people used to think of as, as Brian put it, these old soft WWE style? Or Brian kind of going against the official narrative by saying, I would come back if they would let me come back, which is not exactly how they were presenting the situation with his injuries. So yeah, that's part of what made it feel organic, because it's like, well, if it was totally an angle, I don't think they would let Brian say this, but clearly, since it does appear to be an angle, at least in large part, they gave them a lot of freedom, and that made it feel a lot more organic. And even if it is just to get attention for talking smack, as you were saying, I think this succeeded for sure because I think a lot of people were, even if they knew it was Renee and Brian and they may be more inclined to like them than the panels on the other pre-shows or post-shows or whatever, they probably still thought of it as the same basic format. And this show that it's not. Yeah, you just never know. It's uh, really know, interesting. Oh, I'm sorry, Raj, go for it. You know, what if it was an angle, like, let, let's say Brian decided he didn't want to be on TV, and this was the way to kind of write him off, yeah. you know? Uh, we'll know more uh, of where they're going, you know, not even in, in a week, within a couple days. But, uh, but yeah, that was the best thing uh, I've seen on, uh, on WWE TV in a while. And that's what's amazing about this is post-SummerSlam, post a Monday Night Raw that was very much scrambling to reshuffle the deck... Here we had uh, SmackDown Live last night, and what are we talking about? First segment on our SmackDown Live recap, what happened on Talking Smack afterwards. So I think they've certainly done their job. That being said, let's dive into what actually happened on SmackDown Live. Uh, we started again with a, a behind-the-scenes segment that had a bit of an altercation between Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles, setting up what would become the main event of the evening. But uh, after that cold open, we came back to, again, one of those, you know, a lot of superstars in the ring segments where we had the women's division, we had the tag teams, and we had the unveiling of the new titles. Um, Raj, what do you think of the blue? The blue belts, the blue tag team and women's championship belt. Well, uh, women's championship belt, uh, you know, it's basically, it, it, you know, it's pretty much the same. Uh, I, I noted on Twitter last night, I said the SmackDown belts look like dimes, you know, the, the raw ones look like pennies, so I guess that makes them ten times better. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I thought, you know, eh. I mean, I'd like to see distinct uh, designs. If you're really doing a brand split, there's supposed to be two separate brands. Just having one be red and one be blue, um, I don't know. I, 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 would, I would do more than that. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I will say this. Uh, 
I do like that they're just calling it the SmackDown Women's Championship and the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, as opposed to some, you know, uh, I don't know, some ambiguous verbiage of world and, and you know, universal and all this. Just just stick to the brand, and, and you know, it, it works in NXT. Uh, I, think, I think they should do that for all the titles. Yeah, but... Does that mean that coming next year's draft, the champions can't be drafted? That's what I, that's what I don't like about calling it the SmackDown title or the Raw title. That all of a sudden, when the draft comes around next year, what oh. happens if a champion's drafted? Well, what if they have to drop the title then if they're drafted and it's vacant? Or you just don't you just have it so the champions can't be drafted? Yeah, I wonder if they've actually thought it out though. I, I mean, I, I don't even think they've said there's going to be another draft, so who knows how you know how much they've thought this out. I guess. Uh, I, did, I did think the new belts looked nice. I actually thought that the... I mean, you know, the consensus obviously is that the tag belts look nicer than the old ones because of the color change, which is true. Uh, I think, honestly, the the new uh, SmackDown's women's belt might actually be the nicest looking of all of them. I just thought they, that... Something about the combination of the colors on all that, and the, I thought that came off well. but I think everyone's going to have to redo their ring gear, and I felt like we were seeing that on Raw with a lot more red accent in previous weeks being added to everyone's ring gear. I think on SmackDown it's going to be the same because red and blue are not universal colors that go with everything. Um, I, I, will, I will say this. I, I do think that blue uh, looks a lot more uh, prestigious than the red. You know what I mean? Like the, the blue with the, the silver uh, you know, on it. So I definitely, I, I felt like the SmackDown tag titles look so much better than, uh, than the Raw ones. Well, the red, red makes it look more like a toy, kind yeah. of. Yeah, it, It's like the, um, remember the first episode of TNA with Hogan and all that, and, and those guys, and it opened with that big red cage match? Oh, yeah, it, where, with the it roof? Yeah, it looks yeah. like a toy. It makes whatever it is, for, there's something about it that makes it look like a toy. And that's not happening with SmackDown. So, yeah, you're right. Um, now, now I noticed this when I was looking when they showed a shot of Dean Ambrose holding the World Heavyweight Championship later in the night. Did they redo the main belt to get rid? What, wasn't there uh, red accents in that before? Because it seemed like it was lacking when they showed it last night. Hmm. I don't think so. Or it, maybe I'm just imagining. I it. thought they were going to change Dean's to to have the blue background, uh, yeah. basically be the same as Raw, but uh, they didn't because that was the uh, that was the rumor. But um, no, I thought it looked the same. Guy, oh, so it's the red swash at the bottom. Yeah, I didn't see that low one. I was just curious if they were gonna if they were gonna update that part of it. Um, all the, all this talk of new belts, I think that's interesting. When that's like what everyone's excited about. Where I didn't see a lot of people talk about the new sets. So I guess this is as good a time as any. I mean, we saw the new Raw set on Monday, which was the same uh, set I believe that they used at SummerSlam. But what did you think of the new SmackDown Live set, Rosh? Yeah, I don't know even know if we have a new Raw set yet, or you know, if they were just using the new SummerSlam set and we see a new Raw set next week. Uh, we'll see. Um, the SmackDown one, I thought it was cool, but it it did remind me of like you know when you go to Disney World when you're going on Space Mountain and it's like the big spaceship you know uh, the big spaceship setup when you go in. It kind of had that that feel to it, but it was uh, it, it but I thought it was cool. I, I like that it's different. Yeah, me too. I I I think I like it more than you because even though a lot of the same basic idea is the same. This is the first one where it finally feels like they're moving in a different way from the same basic set that we've had for the past 20 years. Yeah. It, it, it looks distinctly different as a whole and doesn't just look like here's a screen, here's something below it, here's maybe some stuff on the sides. 
it it's its own thing, and it's not. It it could look too busy, but I don't think it does. I think they've done a good job laying it out and developing the screen projections for it and all that. I think it, it looks really nice and it looks looks more major league. I mean, you know, like I said, it's it it had gotten stale, and this keeps the look of the show from being too stale and. I think it also helps SmackDown, too, to have the new set because SmackDown's the one with the different camera angles and all that. So, again, it makes the show look a little more different and fresh now. Yeah, no, I love the new set. Um, I think it looks fantastic. I like what they did with uh, the entrance uh, ramp and the way they, they did the the Tron behind the, behind the wrestlers or whatnot. I think it's cool. And uh, I would be very happy if they kept uh, Monday night's set from SummerSlam as the, as the Raw set going forward. But I'll be curious to see if they unveil something new on uh, Monday, Raj. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we had that first match where we unveiled the new titles, uh, set up that the Women's Championship is going to be a six-pack challenge at Backlash, which I thought was an interesting way to determine the championship. Um, the tag team is going to be a tournament. And, of course, we finally, after his, his well-noted absence from SummerSlam and Monday Night Raw, the star of the new era, Heath Slater, interrupted this opening promo uh, to come out there and, and get himself a spot in the tag team tournament if he could find a partner, which became a running theme throughout the night. Uh, Rosh, do you have any insight on uh, on what's up with Slater uh, and, and the creative going into this? Because it seemed like on both SummerSlam, now Grant, Grant, I know, very smarky crowd at SummerSlam, but SummerSlam Raw, all the chance. I mean, is Slater more over than they thought he was going to be with this running? What maybe was a joke storyline to start with? I'm sure he is. Um, but, you know, he's... Uh... And he's earned it. He's been great. He's just been fantastic in this role. And uh, and I hope they go through all, all the way. I mean, it, it definitely looks like they're going to have him and Rhino win um, the, really? the tag titles. Oh, yeah. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on American Alpha just yet. I think it's a little too soon. Um, and Slater's so over that uh, I think it would kind of stop the momentum. I, I say, you know, go with it. And, and I, yeah, I, I, I like it. And I thought, I thought Rhino was the perfect... I mean, when, when he was talking about a... You know, finding a tag partner, I kind of figured it'd be Rhino, just you know, based off that they had a competitive match. Rhino almost gave him a shot before he he, he realized he was kind of full of it. But um, yeah, I, I, I Slater's just been he's kind of been the MVP lately uh, of WWE. I think Slater's great, but I do disagree with you on American Alpha because I feel like the way they're booking them so far and the way they're kind of positioning them, I don't think that's the type of team you can really have chase. I think they're more the Steiner brothers. You know what I mean? I mean, they're right down to they're doing like similar pose on the ropes to the Steiners, you know, the you know, dog type thing, dog themed thing. I'm trying not to say something that would sound weird. Uh, so I, I don't know if you can have them be, you know, this babyface chasing tag team. I think you need them to be maybe a little bit more of a dominant babyface team. Than that, but as far as Slater, I mean, he was fantastic here. I like the Rhino team idea. I mean, honestly, they're probably going to have good matches together as a team. Both guys are really underrated. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the two with the two of them. Well, and Alpha did have uh, somewhat of a short-lived title reign uh, on NXT as the tag team champions. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's tough to have a team that's that good and that likable in the championship spot because, like you guys have said, how do you book that going forward? What's the storyline that we have this, like, technically super proficient, really likable and charming tag team that's that's sort of boring? 
to to have them always in that power position because uh, you're you're only setting up you know a certain type of opponents you can throw at them and have it be dynamic. Um, so I definitely see where Raj to your point uh, where I think you might be right is that yeah it, it presents a huge challenge for them going forward story wise. Yeah, I just don't think the American Alpha. I love them, but I just don't think they're over enough on the main roster right now. Uh, you know, you hear their reactions. They they. Uh, it's it's nothing special right now. I think fans need to get more familiar with them. And you know the Steiner brothers. It took them a while before they won the WWE Tag Team Championships, and that's people knowing them. I mean, they you know they were big stars in WCW before WWF signed them. So you know, I think just just throwing them right into it, it ultimately doesn't really matter because it is the tag titles. But yeah. I think that it'd be more over with uh, with Slater winning it. And with Alpha, you know, I don't think you can discount the great, you know, what was it, six months or longer? No, oh God, almost a year-long storyline on NXT of them coming together as a tag team, of uh, Jordan's reluctance towards Gable's enthusiasm. I mean, that, I think that was really something special um, that developed in that story that made people feel more invested in them finally becoming the champions and really clicking as a team. And I feel like here they're just being brought in as the guys, and that's not as compelling to a, to a new audience. Um, so, uh, yeah, Slater interrupted that. Uh, he did pair up with Rhino later in the evening. They will have their first match next week. Uh, we had a women's match uh, kick things off uh, for the first action of the night, and that was Becky Lynch uh, versus Alexa Bliss with Natalia and Naomi on commentary. Uh, Alexa ended up tapping out to dis the disarm her. Um, I mean, this is probably a good time to cover this as well. Uh, David, what do you think about how they're setting up the women's division? A six-pack at Backlash is an interesting way to determine the winner. Uh, what did you think of the match between Becky and Alexa, and who do you think is going to be the first woman to wear that new SmackDown women's title? I thought they had a good match. As far as the division, I was thinking about this last night, and also kind of coming out of the pay-per-view, and them having you know a somewhat surprisingly good uh, six-woman tag match. You could make an argument that this that SmackDown has the deeper women's division. Well, they've got more for sure, but you know, with Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte at the top, that that def the, you know that's better than the the top. Yeah. So it depends how you look at it. You right. Know? Numbers wise, I agree. Yeah. Uh, as far as the first champion. I think it would be really any one of the big three. I mean, they're setting up Becky, Natalia, Nikki as you know the the central figures, and I could see it being any one of them. Um, I mean, with Nikki as a babyface, I guess it's a question of do you want her to win it right away, or do you put it on? I mean, I guess it would be Natalia since she's the heel. I mean, I feel like the smart thing would probably be Natalia since as kind of you know this veteran heel champ. To kind of work with the greener of the of the women, but I don't know. I mean, Becky feels like who the crowd wants it to be. I mean, Becky or Nikki, really depending on different parts of the fan base. I get, I guess. I, I'm not really sure, to be honest. <laughs> I know that's not the best answer. Yeah, I mean, Nikki Bella, I guess, just from a star standpoint, probably makes the most sense. Right. But to your, you know, to your point, if they're going with Nikki Bella, I mean Carmella and Nikki Bella is the is the next feud. You know, that being over a title just seems, uh, uh, it's not that exciting to me. But then again, what is? You know, like they've been building Eva Marie and Becky Lynch. I, I'm, I don't know if they're going to keep with that. Um, and if they don't, if they drop the Eva Marie Becky Lynch storyline, then and continue with Natalia and and Becky Lynch, then I think you should put it on Becky Lynch and. Uh, 
and have her feud with Natalya over the belt, and and you have you know Carmella screwing Nikki Bella out of the tournament, and uh, you got your top two women's feuds right there. Yeah, I just feel like Natalia. I don't know. Has Natalia ever had a good gimmick or, or a good character within uh, in the WWE? I, I feel like nothing really fits. I, I feel like before this last heel turn, I may have felt like that was more genuine, but even that wasn't that dynamic. I just feel her as a heel is just kind of the same thing week after week, you know? I mean, I, I you know, I, she, yeah, true, it hasn't been as distinct as when she was with uh, Beth Phoenix, and they had a, they just, when she was with Beth Phoenix, they just weren't pushed as well. Yeah. Uh, but I still think she's, she's, she's great in her role, and I think she's the best heel that they have on, on, on that side. Um, I mean, Nikki Bella could be if she was a heel, but you know, it's clear they're going with her as a babyface. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'd probably put it on Natalia or Becky, and, and keep that keep that as a top women's feud. Yeah, you know, I would love to see it on Becky, but I think doing it too soon could could be a problem. I think this new women's belt, maybe this will be a nice contrast to what happens when Sasha comes back, uh, and when, certainly what they've done with Charlotte, is actually I'm kind of excited by the idea that this belt will change hands more frequently, perhaps, because I think they've got enough solid women in the division that, that we could see a little more interplay, you know, with uh, the belt. I disagree with you on that. I think, think anytime, so? anytime you you change the belts too often, it just waters it down. I mean, if you have it to where every woman on the roster has had it, then what's the point of even having? There's it? six women, Raj. It's very. I mean, I was thinking this last night. I, I was like, if I'm in get... a six-person division, I like my odds. Yeah, that's <laughs> why you can't switch it around too much. Yeah, I mean, look. On the other hand, yeah, make Becky the permanent champion forever. I'd be just as happy with that. <laughs> but uh, I think if, if they're not going to do that, you know, um, I don't know. I think the, the fact that there's enough solid contenders for us to talk about it is definitely a good thing. But let's move on uh, to the next match of the night where we had, uh, you know, and we could probably cover both of these uh, together where we had uh, the Usos versus the Ascension. Um, and uh, then later in the show, a little later in the show, we had American Alpha versus Brazongo. So, uh, you know, looking at the tag action, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but as, as soon as I saw it was American Alpha versus Brazongo, I was like, well, Brazongo's not advancing in, in the tournament. I mean, I think uh, everyone knew that Alpha, even if they're not the, the predetermined winners, are certainly going to be, you know, probably uh, in, in, in the final uh, match, if, if not the, the final, uh, the, the semifinal. But uh, what did you think about just the tag action last night, Raj, on, on the show? Uh, I didn't think the matches were anything special, but, you know, I mean, it was predictable, but, you know, to your point... Um, it, it definitely was predictable, but sometimes that's the best thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought every match on the show is predictable, but it was the right thing to do. It, it moved the stories along. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, both these tag matches, the, the, the right people won, even if it was the, the predictable choice. I would have bracketed it a little bit differently, just because I feel like Rizango is picking up a little bit of steam. So it didn't seem like the best idea to have them lose in the first round. I mean, otherwise, yeah, I mean, this, you know, about what you'd expect. And I, I mean, I agree that the first round should kind of be predictable, though. I mean, that's that's how tournaments are supposed to be, you know. I mean, they're supposed to be seeded, in theory. Right. But if you don't have Brizango lose, you know, which heel tag team does then? Fought villains. But they are, they are going to anyway. Yeah, that's you know, true. You, you, who do you swap? Because it's going to be American. How many teams are there? Is it? Uh, There's eight now with eight, Rhino and Slater. So eight. Okay, uh, I got to look at the brackets again, but uh, I mean, I think it's clear Hype that Rose, Vaude Villains uh, is left, and then um, yeah, Rhino and Slater are going to go up against uh, the one that we're all forgetting. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. no Golden Truth Sun Raw. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, who who those that final team is. That, that's right. how much of an impact they've made. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think you guys are right that you have to see it somehow. But I do I do agree with David. I think Brazongo kind of becoming a sleeper. Uh, you know getting over with the fans. I think that it's it's not as overt, but I do feel like they're getting better and uh, the gimmick is growing. Uh, so the match that we didn't talk about that we skipped over didn't actually happen with Carmella and Nikki Bella. Again, this set up what would happen later in the evening on Talking Smack. Carmella just uh, started, you know, having at Nikki Bella while she was uh, doing an interview in the ring. And, uh, yeah, it looks like, as we talked about earlier, they're setting up them to feud together. We had uh, Randy Orton come out and address what happened at SummerSlam with uh, Brock busting him open. At the end, true to prediction, which we all talked about here, uh, they're setting up him with Bray Wyatt, it looks like. I mean, what do you think, uh, where should Orton go from here, and what do you think about this direction of having him feud with Bray, Rush? Um, I, I mean, I think that's natural. I think that's a, a good choice. It, it puts both of them in a high-profile feud. They're both big stars. I wouldn't have had Orton come out this week just to sell those injuries. You could have had mm-hmm. just had Bray Wyatt cut a promo. Uh, you know, again, it was such a brutal injury that had a lot, I mean, a brutal beating that he took at the hands of Lesnar that had a lot of people talking. You know, sell it for a week, you know, just have him off TV, keep people wondering. Um, but, and, you know, outside of that, I think it's just the natural uh, natural place for this feud to go with, with AJ and, and Ambrose on top. I mean, I agree with Raj that's kind of, by process of elimination, the feud that has to be going on right now. But yeah, you know, I talked about this the last couple of weeks. I, I don't want to see this feud. It just feels like an extension of the you know Randy Orton always being placed with other stale people thing. He needs to be in a program with someone that, that, that feels like it has some juice to it. I mean, and Bray Wyatt's not that right now. Who is though? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. If if AJ wasn't going for the title, it would have. I mean, AJ would work. I mean, even Ambrose would be better. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it would be better. I think you're right, but I think AJ versus uh, Ambrose is is an exciting feud. I think that uh, I would much rather do that than Orton and then Ambrose and Bray and then Orton and uh, Orton and AJ. I mean, I would even. Even like even mix him up with some other baby faces a little bit. Don't be as black and white about it. Just to just have something like I I think at least you know something like Ziggler. Even though it would be kind of obvious who was going to win this stuff, at least they'd have some interesting matches. I feel like I just feel like this is just dead. Like yeah, I, I think I I agree. I think if you turn Ziggler heel, you could probably do that. I think it'd, it'd be a fresh coat of paint on Ziggler. It's it's funny how they'll turn like. Uh, They'll turn Big Show or, or Nikki Bella, you know, every other week. But the guys that really need it, like the Usos, which they're finally starting to do, and uh, and Ziggler, they they won't do it. They just you know stick with their uh, current roles forever. Yeah, it's uh, I I don't know. I think with Ziggler, they have to do something with him. I feel like they've they've put enough of a focus on him and made him such a strong supporting player, um, you know. And then even having him as a contender last week. I mean, where do you think they go with Ziggler from here, Rush? I think he's kind of going to go back to where he was. Uh, probably be putting the feud with the Miz. Is I think that was the the plan. So uh, I think that's where he's headed. <laughs> I want to see Daniel Bryan come out and be like, "Ziggler's my guy." Yeah, like, yeah. That's why. Hopefully, hopefully plans change. But that was the, that was the uh, direction that they were planning on going after SummerSlam. 
They should have Daniel Bryan taking him to like an indie show at a vet's hall and being like, you got to change up your style, man. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Daniel Bryan could be his Bob Backlund, you know, and just uh, teach Ziggler a new way to wrestle. Yeah, that would be such a cool angle if they did have Daniel Bryan, like they did a a, a vignette or something where Daniel Bryan's had an indie show and he, and he you know, he signed someone like, a, you know, I don't know, like a Chris Hero or somebody like yeah, that. I was just going to say, I was going to be like, now it's time for the return of Cassius Ono, the original KO. Yeah, I mean, he's ready. I, I You know, he's more than ready for the main roster. So yeah. uh, it, it would be cool if they did something like that once in a while. It would be so different that it would be awesome. Yeah, David, where do you think Ziggler goes from here? He should turn. Um, otherwise, I don't really know. I mean, it, I... One thing I thought was a little strange, too, was the angle that set up the Styles match was a little out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I, well, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying, well, we did have it at the start of the show. I mean, we had it set up with AJ and Dolph, and, you know, AJ, now I'm the face that runs the place, wearing that headband, looking like a Rafael Nadal out of an 80s tennis match, uh, you know, uh, with his long hair, wearing Cena's headband, sitting there, like, giving him, uh, you know, oh, why are you so down, and then Ziggler getting in his face. I mean, I thought that was believable, you know, that Ziggler's licking his wounds, and AJ's there, you know, to, to gloat, essentially, about his SummerSlam victory. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of agree with you, Glenn. I thought I thought it made sense that you know uh, Ziggler was you know just kind of run down and and AJ is just kind of rub, rubbing in his face. You know, we were talking about scripted promos earlier. I don't know with AJ um, if scripted promos work to his favor because he yeah. has just been doing the best promos of his career, and he's just been you know the most entertaining he's he's ever been. And, you know, TNA, he had a lot more freedom in his promos. And I just think he's just knocking it out of, out of the park now. He's he's so great right now. I've been wondering about that, too. Um, unless it's some, just some kind of motivation thing, I I do have to think that the def, kind of default answer has to be that it's that he happens to be the rare wrestler that does better with the scripted promos. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of the match that that resulted in? I mean, it seemed like, uh, by SmackDown standards, that was seemed like a longer match than uh, we normally see on SmackDown. I mean, it, it consumed uh, you know a few segments at the end of the show. But what did you think of the match itself of AJ versus Ziggler? I liked it. Um, you know, they had kind of good chemistry, as you'd expect. Um, very good TV match. I'd almost... I... <laughs> See, it almost feels like something they should run back, but obviously you can't do that right now with AJ in the title program. So again, like, where, what do you do with Ziggler since he was just given this nice spotlight match coming out of the uh, pay-per-view with loss and now he loses again? Like, wh what do you do to keep him from feeling like he's just lost too much in a row? What do you do to rehab him after this, even if the, ma even if the matches were good? I was like, you put him in a feud with the Miz. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I gotta say, I thought uh, uh, Ziggler had a much better match here tonight than he did with uh, with Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam, um, or I'm sorry, last night. But um, yeah, I think uh, I thought it was a great match. Uh, I think AJ's just fantastic, and you know what? I think he should win the title at Backlash. I, you know they're going to be wrestling probably a few more times at pay-per-views, especially with the brand split and the, the lack of depth on top. But I'd, I'd start off right off the bat going with an AJ win and then going from there. Uh, he's just he's just at his peak right now, and I, I, I would take advantage of it as, as opposed to watering it down. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, he feels like he's at a level above just about everyone else on the main roster right now. I have to say what I really loved last night, I mean, in addition to that match, I thought that match was really solid, a very nice showcase uh, for the both of them. But I love that now we're, we've moved past the mean Dean that we've seen, uh, you know, leading up to uh, his feud with Ziggler. And we got sort of the classic, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky, don't care, don't have a plan, Dean Ambrose last night. I thought his backstage segment with the oversized cowboy hat and the roulette chips, um, and then even his commentary. I think for me, that's like when his character is just golden lately, when he's just doing that, you know, what was that? You know, it could be a Bigfoot fighting a grizzly bear, you know, for all I care. And they're like, no, it's AJ Styles versus uh, Dolph Ziggler. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. You know, I mean, like, he's very good when they give him, I think, just some solid comedy uh, to work uh, with. You know, I think uh, we're going to have to. <laughs> you don't like that, to, really? We're going to have to agree to disagree on that. I, I prefer Mean Dean every day. This, this oh, was really? that campy. This was that campy comedy, not taking, you know, it's stuff that a promo you can't take seriously. I think this is why Steve Austin was criticizing Ambrose was because of stuff like this. You know what Whereas, it is? Um, you know what it is, Raj? And, I, and you, this might change how you see Dean and Jericho. Uh, I can't remember where I read this, but Dean and Jericho are supposedly are both obsessed with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And Jericho has been doing Dennis in his character. I'm not sure if you picked that up, but that's essentially this evolution of Jericho's character. And Dean, it feels like, has absolutely been doing Charlie in the last six months. Like, that's been his character. You know, and I, I think it really, really works in this context. Hey, I think Jericho has been entertaining as hell, but it has never felt like less of a main eventer than oh, you know, than right now. And a, a lot of that's the comedy. You know, it's yeah. it's funny, it's entertaining, but it's not like main event level, uh, world championship level, you know, stuff. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, David? I think that there is room to, for it, maybe to a point. But it always gets overused in WWE, the whole, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, funny doesn't equal money or whatever term you want to use. I don't think it's a total absolute, but I think it, it's something you have to be very careful with. I mean, and The Rock, for as great as The Rock was, who was, you know, the ultimate in doing, you know, that type of promo, he did do it at the expense of doing, you know, he did promos for his feuds and stuff. So, yeah, it succeeded, but it it feels it feels like a lot of the time they do kind of take what they're doing from what was successful with The Rock. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when he came back, I think it was the, when he came back for the first Cena uh, WrestleMania match, it felt, it felt like when you have him on the show, you realize just how much everyone is borrowing from his promo style and the delivery and everything. So, okay, great. It worked with the most charismatic star in the history of pro wrestling who ended up being a gigantic movie star. Great. It's not going to work for everyone else. Right. And, yeah, and I think, you know, there, like you said, there's, there's different kinds of comedy. And, you know, Steve Austin was funny in his promos. You know, he, it, but it wasn't like campy humor. Uh, and when it was, when he was doing the stuff with Kurt Angle, uh, it was great, but he didn't feel as big as big of a star as he did, you know, uh, when he was, you know, on top doing, you know, the the intense but at times funny uh, promos that he did in the past. I just feel like we have to mix it up, you know, on the show. So I think you can have the intense guy, you can have the earnest guy. I mean, there it's different types of archetypes and characters, right? I mean, you want to have, uh, you know, those those different character styles or archetypes rather, and uh, and have 
make it dynamic from week to week. And one thing that I really like about SmackDown, where I think SmackDown's a more enjoyable watch than Raw, is to me SmackDown feels, it's a fully formed that idea, like what was it, how Max Landis put it in Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, you know, it's it's a TV show about a wrestling company. Um, it feels much, much better packaged that way. I feel like I'm watching the behind the scenes, the, you know, in, front, in the ring action. Um, I think SmackDown is just more successful at, at you know, producing that, that sort of experience. Well, I think one thing that they've done since the brand split that's been very good in terms of kind of setting that up are those uh, Renee Young desk segments backstage. Yeah. I mean, it gives more of a feel of this is a show about wrestling. Or even if you want to go with the, uh, this is a sporting, you know, this is a sporting event type of broadcast that you have like this separate analyst booth or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it it does feel more like a, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a TV show about wrestling or Sporting that either way, it does feel more like a fully formed, more thought out broadcast. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I have to say, we talk about this every week, but man, SmackDown has the benefit of ending strong. I feel like Raw limps its way through that third hour, you know, and the go and the closing match isn't always the best note to end on. Well, you know, this is something I, I thought about last night during SmackDown. We we're an hour in, and I'm like, oh, this show's been this show's been going pretty fast, and the main event's gonna be coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. Whereas Raw always after the first hour, I'm like, oh my god, we got two more hours to go, you know? <laughs> like it's, it's. I mean, SmackDown just has an inherent, uh, inherent advantage over Raw, and it's, and and we'll get to that uh, about which show is better. But I think uh, SmackDown's the pacing and everything. It's just been so, uh, so well done, even though not necessarily a lot is happening. Yeah, I mean, Raw just, I mean, three hours is a lot, a lot, lot, lot of time to fill. Uh, so, you know, let's segue into that. I mean, I, I think we sort of know our thoughts, but coming off Raj now of, of what has been a couple days, many hours, many, many hours of wrestling. Uh, first, you made it. Congratulations. <sighs> Thank you. you know, wrestling been... Inc. Uh, has been continuously updated throughout with all the latest news as it happens, as always. Um, how did you feel coming out of SmackDown? I mean, was that at least a little wind in your sails as, as we come out of this marathon weekend? Yeah, I mean, we still got NXT and Cruiserweight Classic tonight, but it was, as far as live television went, it was yeah. uh, it was a good way to go out. It was uh, a good show. Uh, it, it moved quickly. It, it, ne- it, it never dragged, in my opinion. Um, and then ending off with that Talking Smack segment, I was, you know, that woke me up. And I was like, wow, that was that was awesome. So, uh, you know, I think I think every week since after the draft, I felt like SmackDown's been the better show. And the only complaint I had was, again, you're doing a tournament on, you're doing two tournaments on SmackDown when you just start, started doing one on Raw. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, Finn Balor's injury kind of changed some plans around. So I guess you had to do that. But other than that, you know, I thought SmackDown was, was, was good. David? I thought Raw for the first two hours had a shot, but the third hour really did drag this week, so I am going to go with SmackDown. And I also do want to say that it does feel like we're starting to get to a point where not just not necessarily just in the good, bad, short, long sense, it feels like even you know when there's a good episode of Raw or there's a good episode of SmackDown, it feels like they're starting to have more separate identities, that we're at that point about a month or so in where they are starting to feel like different shows. So I feel like Raw for the first few hours felt like a good episode of Raw and then dragged and kind of fell off a cliff, and SmackDown felt like a really good episode of SmackDown. But I did prefer SmackDown this week because Raw did just kind of screech to a halt. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, with me, you know, as well, I thought SmackDown just a lot tighter, a lot better. Um, and, and talking smack. I mean, you know, uh, coming out of it today, not only with The Miz, but I'm almost wondering, Raj, are they setting up a storyline? I know we talked about this initially back in one of my first podcasts about what do you do with Brian as a general, general manager? Where's the conflict? I almost see now there's a setup for a storyline split where, you know, Brian has his pretentious indie wrestler cred idea of what makes a wrestler and we have his stable of guys versus the WWE style you know this other style of wrestling I like that now we have this potential for where it could go with a little conflict with the GM yeah I mean you know that's the great thing when wrestling's done right it could get your imagination flowing and you start doing your own booking and you become your own booker and and there's tons of possibilities and and, and there is here the, the problem I have with WWE is you know ever since forever with Nexus, CM Punk, and the pipe bomb, is that the follow-up has never been great. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, it's different. hopefully it's different this time. Yeah, We still never got those ice cream bars. Just, yeah. didn't, didn't they do them they for a, a short, short time? No. No, no. It, was, it was just like, the, it was, there was something they were selling on WWE Shop. But yeah, yeah it, it was, was a t-shirt. It was the t-shirt, right? Yeah. I'm saying we can get bootios in stores, but we never got to see them. <laughs> Refrigerations. A yeah, new day, true. man. Their their merch is off the hook. I think they're getting they're up there with Cena. So. Oh yeah. They're whatever they're doing. They're it's working. I gotta and say I, though, it is uh, funny to see them when they have the bootios and now the pop rocks things, and it's like get them at your local FYE. Okay, two things first. How many FYEs have closed in the last few years? Like, how many are left? Second, malls, you know, all the ones around here closed. Second, who's who's like, oh yeah, I want to buy cereal at Fye. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy food at Fye. Yeah, yeah, along with my $19 CDs. Well, who has anyone listening? Go to our comment section if you've actually bought Bootios and tried it. Let us know. Uh, let us know what it's like. It's just Cheerios, right? I mean, it's just like. Sort of no, standard. I think it's I think it's like because um, it's chocolate and and vanilla, right? Or is it just? Uh, I thought it was like a sugar cereal, whereas Cheerios is a little more nutritious. But I could be I could yeah, be wrong. I don't know. I'm my guess on the WWE. They just partnered with whoever makes the generic store brand Cheerios, and we're like, perfect. Just give us you know a couple tons of that. We'll put it in a box. Yeah. You have me googling Budio's ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's come to. Uh, okay, we've got a Reddit post. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, wait, I just realized this is probably going to be the ingredients from the big box at WrestleMania. Uh, oh, see, yeah. see, I still feel like um, that's the real tip-off, if a belt's ever going to change. You know, Dean uh, Dolph Ziggler did not really have... I can't remember the last time he had a merchandise update on WWE Shop, so it was like, yeah, Ziggler's... There's, there's no way that's happening. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's people that move the merch still. You know, number one thing. I, I could even if even if not when Dean Ambrose shirt sold in the last month, I still wouldn't have gone with Ziggler uh, at SummerSlam. Yeah, and, and it's nothing against Ziggler. You change his character around. Yeah. You, you give him a head of steam before giving him the title shot. Then I think you should. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, coming off this, this weekend uh, is a lot of wrestling. Uh, you know, I think I might wait and watch NXT. Uh, you know, till uh, till the weekend to catch up. And then, you know, they taped a bunch. Did they tape more matches at Takeover Brooklyn again, like they did last year? Yeah, they did. And I think they got a Cruiserweight Classic tapings at the end of this week, if I'm not mistaken, on Friday. Yeah, yeah it's Wilson. the finals, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's cool. still, it's not really done. This week's not completely over yet. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I know we didn't talk about it doing a podcast, but quickly, while we have a, a few minutes left here, uh, what did you think of Takeover uh, Brooklyn Part Part Two, Raj? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I thought every match again. This this goes back to uh, uh, what I was saying earlier. I thought every match was predictable, but it made sense. That's how it should have went. And I thought it was uh, the best wrestling show of the weekend. So yeah, I thought it was great. David. I mean, yeah, I thought it was a really good show. I think maybe, I don't know if it was quite as good as last year's or the WrestleMania weekend one overall, but another excellent uh, TakeOver special. I did think the last two matches were a little bit disappointing, just relative to expectations at least. Uh, but th- that tag title match was absolutely phenomenal. You know what I thought was a little disappointing with the main event? was that the crowd kind of, like, because they were so hot during uh, Shinsuke's Nakamura's entrance, and they just kind of fizzled out until, like, towards the end of the match. So, you know, I thought they would, I thought it would be a hotter crowd for most of that match, and I thought the crowd was a little disappointing and kind of brought the match... The in-ring work I thought was great, but I just thought the overall excitement of the match was tampered a little bit just because the crowd was uh, fizzled a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is kind of like you're alluding to, that they kind of peaks for the entrance... And also, I just think that maybe, even though it was well-worked, that what they were doing with the kind of MMA and jiu-jitsu style, like grappling at the beginning, just wasn't necessarily what that crowd wanted. So, I mean, that could be part of it as well. But, you know, another excellent show. Uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing uh, how, how you know, Ember Moon, the former Athena, does on NXT because she she is someone that I thought had you know was WWE ready for years, and uh, I, th- I I thought she I thought she had a good uh, debut. It seems like there's been a lot of mixed opinions on that. What did you guys think? I thought the finisher was cool, <laughs> uh, but the the rest of the match I didn't think was that great. Uh, but you know again Billy Kay's a little green too, so uh, you know I don't when once you get her working with. You know, more experienced. Uh, like if you get her with Asuka, uh, who knows? Yeah, where does I just feel like with NXT? I know we've touched on this before, but I just feel like they're they're in such a rebuilding phase, and with the women's division now, especially with Bailey gone, um, I mean, who's the who's the who's the face of the women's division? You know, I mean, so we have Asuka as this you know unstoppable force as the champion, but who is there even an heir apparent uh, to Bailey? I mean, who's going to take that title from her? I don't think there really is right now, but that's fine. Let her squash some people until you have someone ready, you know? Yeah. I, I think they have Ember Moon in mind, but right. I don't know if she's going to get there right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think she definitely, uh, you know, made a strong, strong debut in showing, but that's the thing. I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I like Liv Morgan. I think Liv Morgan is really good, but I don't think anyone's really ready yet for that. Really? Real quick, let me ask you guys this. I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think NXT is hurting WWE in a way because of the fact that it is a hot roster, you know, uh, a hot brand that doesn't make any money, whereas the main roster is where all the money is coming from, and you have all these guys that are big stars in NXT that should be on the main roster that could greatly fill, uh, you know, the raw uh, the raw roster, which seems very thin, and so it's kind of holding back a lot of guys who should be in that main event mix right now because you got to keep them on NXT to keep that hot and going. Uh, is, is the NXT popularity kind of becoming a little bit of a hindrance to, uh, to, uh, to the main roster? Yes. I, I, I'll, I'll go with that because, like you said, I mean, the, 
The thing is, the people who you need to carry it are the people who are ready. Right. It's, that's that's the problem. It's that it's people you need the people who are ready to carry the you know the the, the touring house shows, the one that's outside of Florida. So yeah, I mean that there definitely is something they need to fix. But I mean you know, Triple H's playground. He gets to have this thing where it's technically under the developmental umbrella, but he gets to have his you know his little vanity work rate indie promotion. And you know, I guess that that's that's what happens when he gets to you know he gets his little toy to play with is that he gets to do this. I mean I'm not sure if there's really any other way to put it. I mean they. They need to find a, be- a better way to strike the balance, though. I'm not sure what that is, though. See, I felt like some of these call-ups they waited too long on because it was just getting too popular in NXT. I mean, you, the, where they couldn't do, um, you know, a small venues. I mean, it was it was getting beyond developmental, and if they're not really making money at it, it doesn't make sense for them to carry it beyond a certain level. It has this cachet and buzz about it, but I mean, Finn, Bailey, um, you know, Enzo and Cass, a lot of these guys, I think, were there a little too long in NXT and what that did I'm not saying too long necessarily just because they were big but what it did was their spots that they were occupying kept people from graduating up to that spot and kept them from developing more new talent who would eventually go on to fill those roles and that's where I feel they are right now is they have to hold on to who they have left because uh, if they lose you know uh, four or five more guys who's go- who's going to go to an NXT house show at that point you know authors of pain I don't think are, are selling out uh, you know even small theaters at this point well, also, at TakeOver, at least on the main you know, live broadcast, other than No Way who, Jose, who on that show is even someone that you can consider like a developmental talent? I mean, I guess uh, Andrade Almas, in the sense that he's still adjusting to the style, but other than that, who is there? I mean, it's not a developmental show. Yeah, the stars of that show should be on the main roster. And then they they were ready before they got, you know, years ago. I mean, Joe, Nakamura, uh, Aries, um, uh, uh, you know, Hideo Itami. But you take those guys out of NXT and it's a dead brand. So, uh, but it greatly improves the Raw product. I mean, could you imagine if you had Nakamura come in on Raw right now? I mean, it would greatly fill that void that uh, Finn Balor left behind. And same as they, Joe. They'd screw it up. They'd screwed up somehow. <laughs> it would just be... <laughs> I don't know that Nakamura is going to translate easily. I'm not saying he can't translate to the main roster, but I don't see that being a smooth transition at this point. We'll see. He's just got that such a cool entrance that I think right off the bat, <clears throat> you know, it's like Enzo and Cass, that yeah. they're so good before the match that it gets people going. But, yeah. But we'll see. No, definitely, definitely. Cool. Uh, so very quickly, David, I uh, just want to touch upon episode two, that CM Punk documentary that you've been watching. Yeah, so it looks like the storyline they're going to be going with this is that he was doing great, he was making progress, and then he started getting all these injuries. That seems like where they're going with it, because the way the second episode was structured, it was like, okay, he has his second sparring session like a month after the first, again, doesn't do great, and then they push it out like four months until he has another sparring session, this one just striking, actually does very well, and then it's like, I think he has an narration, and then, you know, blah, 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 and then I got hurt. So that's when he injured his shoulder, and it seems like it's just, it's building to have an excuse for him not looking good in the fight. That That's really how it feels. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic either way, but I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see how the more recent footage looks of him training. Yeah, those sparring sessions, though, granted those are from last year, but they look pretty bad. And it's it's only been a year. But it is a 6-2 and two welterweight that he was sparring with. But uh, I... It's, I uh, I would I, the odds are way closer than I would expect uh, for that fight. Yeah, the last sparring session they showed, the one with the different guy, where it was just striking. I thought he looked okay in that one. I I thought he looked decent enough, even if his technique wasn't great. He seemed at least he had an idea of what he should be doing, like in terms of like when to jab and that type of thing. But I I am not hopeful for this, especially when they're clearly building a narrative to have excuses for him. Well, I look forward to checking it out uh, and finally watching it. How many parts is, is the documentary series in total? Four. We've had two so far. Gotcha, gotcha. And episode uh, one is available on the site, so you should be, you could watch it there. Cool. Well, guys, I think we covered just about everything here. Uh, our SmackDown Live recap podcast of the week, of course, will be back on Monday night right after Raw ends uh, on the East Coast, so about 8.15-ish uh Pacific 11.15-ish Eastern time. Uh, oh, yeah, but wait, before we go, uh, we were just blowing through talking so much about everything with SmackDown Live. want to take a moment again and remind people uh, to, to check out our sponsors. Uh, of course, if you haven't used it yet, by all means, DDP Yoga. Uh, they have their awesome new Max Pack, and as you know, you've heard us talk about it here, WWE stars like Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, Mick Foley love using DDP Yoga. If you watch episode three of Holy Foley, DDP shows up. Mick Foley talks about how DDP Yoga has been changing his life. And hey, you can get a special offer with three months of the app for free at ddpyoga.com slash wrestlinginc. Also, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, now available on iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Amazon, and Vudu. So make sure to check that out as well. And tweet at DDP Yoga. Let them know that we sent you. Of course, you can also see the film on DVD, Blu-ray, and Netflix. So you've heard us talk about it week after week. Look how sharp Raj is with his style. If you're watching the YouTube version of this, Raj uh, clearly knows how to dress himself. But if you're like me, a schlub who buys the majority of his wardrobe on WWE Shop, you got to check out Trendy Butler. They... Every month, they have a stylist, hand-picked clothes that cater to your style preferences, and even better, for only $65, you can get over $150 in designer clothes. So, here's what we want you to do. Go to TrendyButler.com, use the code WRESTLING10, sign up and get $10 off. You can learn more about them, hit them up on Twitter, TrendyButler, on Instagram, Trendy underscore Butler. That's TrendyButler.com, a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you, and we thank both them and DDP Yoga for sponsoring the podcast. So, that being said, thank you, Raj, for uh, joining us once again. Uh, Raj, of course, will be back Monday night with myself and Matt Morgan, 11.15 Eastern, 8.15 Pacific. David and I will be back here next Wednesday to talk about SmackDown Live. And, uh, gentlemen, I think we covered everything, correct? Yep. Cool. Follow us all on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes, and we'll see you here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.